Something I report on a lot here is the growing international movement to challenge the hegemony of the United States dollar. The US dollar is used in about 80% of international trade, according to data from the US Federal Reserve. And still today, uh, central banks around the world hold about 60% of their foreign exchange reserves in the US dollar. I'll talk more about that in a bit and how it's changing. But the point is that really since the end of World War II and the creation of the Bretton Woods system, the US dollar has been the de facto global reserve currency dominating the international economic and financial system. And the US government has increasingly weaponized the US dollar. Now, this is not new, but we've seen in the, in the past 10 and 20 years an explosion in the application of unilateral sanctions by the United States trying to wage economic war on foreign countries, not only countries that have relatively smaller economies like, say, Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, the DPRK, Zimbabwe, Eritrea, but also countries that have massive economies like Russia and the country with the largest economy in the world, according to purchasing power parity, China. We saw that the Donald Trump administration started a trade war with China and those policies of economic sanctions against China have continued under the Biden administration. So this has led many countries around the world to find alternatives to the US dollar, creating new payment systems, finding ways to diversify their foreign exchange reserves. And today I'm going to be talking about the policies that Russia has been taking because Russia has really been kind of leading this global international campaign to de-dollarize. That's what it's referred to as de-dollarization. Dollarization is the process, of course, by which the U.S. dollar becomes accepted as a de facto or in some cases legal currency in countries. There are numerous countries in the world that still use the U.S. dollar as their official national currency but it's also used in a lot of international trade. A lot of foreign banks that are outside of the US hold US dollars and they open, they even open bank accounts that are denominated in dollars. Those are referred to as Euro dollars. So the US dollar still has massive power around the world. And there's only one country in the world that can print US dollars, that is the United States. So while the US dollar is used in 80% of international trade, and 60% of the foreign exchange reserves of central banks around the world, those other countries cannot print dollars, which means that the United States has something that has been referred to as the exorbitant privilege. That was a, coin, a term coined in the 1960s by France's finance minister, saying that the US has exorbitant privilege because its currency is the global reserve currency, but only the US can print dollars. So. What has Russia been doing? Well, Russia for years has been trying to de-dollarize. It has been declining, diminishing the percentage of its foreign reserves held in US dollars and also euros. And it's been moving toward gold and other foreign currencies, especially the Chinese Yuan. And today I'm gonna to be focusing specifically on that, on what is now being referred to as the Yuanization of the Russian economy, which is actually, I think, an exaggeration because the yuan is not going to have this nearly the same amount of amount of economic and political dominance that the US dollar has. Instead, instead of the term yuanization, a better term would be 
the economic multipolarity, monetary multipolarity or pluralism in not only Russia, but other countries around the world, their central banks are holding their reserves more and more in a variety of currencies, not just the US dollar, which gives them more you know, economic room and financial room to implement policies that might anger the US. So if they are threatened with sanctions by the US or European powers, if they're cut off from the swift interbank messaging system and other institutions, which I'll talk about today, then they have other options because they can use other financial systems, other payment systems, other interbank messaging systems that are being created by countries like China and Russia and India. So what we're seeing is a diversification of the international monetary, financial and economic system. And this is part of the economic multipolarity that goes along with the political multipolarity. So I'm going to begin looking at an article that was published in Reuters this December, which is which is confirming the exact kind of things that I've been talking about here for a long time. And especially if people want to check out the interviews that I've done with the economist Michael Hudson, we've talked about this move toward de-dollarization for years. So again, I want to stress this is not new, but it's accelerating. And especially with the proxy war in Ukraine, the proxy war between NATO and Russia and the Russian uh, invasion of, of Ukraine in February and now NATO has drastically expanded that. There are reports that the CIA is carrying out direct attacks on Russian territory. So this, this is a very dangerous proxy war. And in response to the escalation of this proxy war, the US and Europe imposed brutal sanctions on Russia. Russia is now one of the most heavily sanctioned countries in history. And this has further accelerated a campaign that has happened, has been going on for years, but it's accelerated Russia's drive to de-dollarize and to create new economic and financial alternatives. So this article in Reuters was published on December 22nd. It's titled, Russia likely to buy yuan on foreign exchange market in 2023. So I'll explain for people who don't know a lot about economics, I'll explain why, why this is very significant, but I'm gonna go through some of the main points here. So. Reuters says Russia is going to start buying yuan on the currency market next year if oil and gas revenues meet expectations. This is accelerating the de-dollarization drive designed to reduce its dependency on Western finance. And Reuters notes that Western sanctions on Moscow over its actions in Ukraine have curbed its use of and access to dollars and euros. And the Chinese currency's role in Russia's economy is growing fast. Now, there is a very interesting graph here. I'm going to explain what this means in a second. And for people who don't know, understand how currency trading works and what the foreign exchange market is, I'll explain that in one second here. But Reuters points out that daily yuan ruble trading volumes on the Moscow exchange are already exceeding dollar ruble trades on some days. And that is a trend that is going to be accentuated in 2023. So what does that mean for people who don't know? Okay, so a, a foreign exchange market is, as the name suggests, a currency market where, where firms and governments can buy and sell different currencies, right? So if you want to buy Russian gas or oil today, you, you have to buy that now in rubles. That's a new policy. Historically, going back to the 1970s, 
Most oil has been sold in the dollar that's referred to as the petrodollar. This is because the United States made an agreement with Saudi Arabia in which Saudi Arabia would sell its oil in the U.S. dollar, listing its oil in the global market in the U.S. dollar, which meant that after the U.S. was take, the U.S. dollar was taken off of gold in 1971 by Richard Nixon, it was no longer freely convertible to gold. So before 1971, anyone who had a U.S. dollar, they could exchange those dollars for gold at a fixed exchange rate, which was based on the Bretton Woods system, which said that each ounce of gold was worth, worth, was worth 35 U.S. dollars. So U.S. dollars were fixed to gold. Since 1971, the dollar has been freely floating, a freely floating fiat currency, which means that its value goes up and down, right, in the international market. Well, one of the ways that the U.S. made sure that the U.S. dollar could be more stable and strengthened, especially after the U.S. had this uh, massive gold deficit and didn't have enough gold to exchange for, there were way more dollars in the world than it had in its gold reserves. So what happened? The U.S. pressured Saudi Arabia to sell Saudi oil in gold, uh, excuse me, Saudi oil in dollars, not gold, in dollars, which help, helped strengthen the U.S. dollar, and it made countries around the world that import oil increase their demand for dollars. Because if you're a country like, say, uh, you know, um, if you're a country that doesn't have oil, like, say, the Dominican Republic, and you need to import oil, you need to have access to dollars in order to buy that oil. Where are you going to get those dollars? You can get those dollars by trade, by trading and then being paid in dollars, or you can go to the foreign exchange market and your country's central bank can exchange your local currency and buy dollars. The problem with that is if your local central bank or whoever, if they sell a lot of your local currency and buy a lot of dollars, every time you sell your currency, it devalues your currency because you're buying dollars, which increases the demand for dollars, so the value of the dollar increases, and you're selling your dollars, which means your local currency. So that means that the local currency devalues and there's less demand for it, so it decreases in value compared to the US dollar, right? So that's how the foreign exchange market works, also foreign, the um, currency tra trading, right? So what this means, getting back to Russia, is that before the escalation of this proxy war in Ukraine, when Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022, the graph shows that the vast majority of the volume of the currency trading on the Moscow exchange, which is the largest exchange in Russia, the vast majority of the currency trading was done in U.S. dollars. And if you look at the graph, you can see that, that in January and February, right before the escalation of this war, there, were, there was a huge influx, a huge increase in the trade between dollars and rubles. That, that likely means that what it is that a lot of rich people in Russia who were, who were holding their wealth in rubles were very quickly trying to sell off their rubles and buy dollars because they were afraid that if there was an escalation in this proxy war, that the Russian ruble would be drastically hit. It would be devalued. As U.S. President Biden claimed, he was, they were trying to turn the ruble into rubble. So people who had their wealth, who had savings, were trying to exchange very qu quickly 
and sell their rubles for dollars so they won't lose a lot of their wealth. And that led to a, a massive decline in the value of the ruble against the US dollar. But what happened is after Russia sent its troops in, Russia imposed capital controls. And the capital controls prevented Russian wealthy Russians and Russian businesses from just exchanging all of their rubles for dollars. And that helped stabilize the ruble. And then briefly, the Russian central bank increased uh, interest rates to very high levels and then has decreased them since then. And in it, in with the capital controls and the high interest rates and with other policies that we'll talk about in a second, especially with uh, the exchange market, the current currency market, Russia has been able to stabilize its its currency, the ruble. And the Russian ruble is actually now stronger against the US dollar than it was before the beginning of what it calls its special military operation in February. A, a huge reason for that is because Russia is a net exporter. It has a current account surplus, which means it exports more than it imports. And most of those exports are gas and oil. Russia is one of the world's largest producer and exporter of gas and oil, which means that when it sells its gas and oil to foreign countries, now those foreign countries are paying Russia in rubles. And because that means that there's an increased demand for rubles, it means the value of the Russian ruble has increased and there's more demand for it because Russia is, is selling its oil and gas. So it has strengthened and now the ruble is stronger now than it was before the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the Western sanctions, which at first did a lot of damage. So Biden claimed that the Russian ruble is going to become rubble. It's the exact opposite. It's stronger now than it was before. And at the same time, this is what I wanted to talk about, the main point. So just I wanted to explain that for people who are not super familiar with the basics of, you know, the currency market and economics. Now, this graph is, is quite in in interesting, even incredible, because it shows how in the span of less than one year, in 10 months, what we've seen in currency trade on the Moscow exchange is that we've seen a complete reversal. Now, there, on some days, there is more trade between the, the Russian ruble and the Chinese yuan than between the Russian ruble and the US dollar. A big part of that is because of Western sanctions. Western sanctions against Russia not only did a lot of damage to the Russian economy, not only did the US and Europe basically steal, they froze $300 billion of US dollars and euros in foreign exchange reserves that were held by the Russian Central Bank, which I'll talk about in a second. That's just mass, a massively crazy crime that, that set a horrible precedent around the world. And that's why other countries around the world now are trying to diversify their foreign exchange reserves and their central banks. But not only that, but the US and Europe took a crazy decision that was referred to as a financial nuclear bomb and that they they blocked, they cut off numerous Russian banks from the SWIFT interbank messaging system. What is the SWIFT system? It is technically based in Belgium, but it's dominated by the US. And it is the system with that different banks around the world use to communicate with each other so they can do payments and exchanges. So if you are, you know, if you are a Russian 
and you have a, you're a Russian person or you have a Russian company and you want to send money to someone who wants to buy your products in France, right? Usually the person in France has a French bank, the person in Russia has a Russian bank. How are those banks going to communicate? Well, before they did it through the SWIFT system. But now Russian banks, many of them, not all, but many of them, especially the largest, have been cut off from the SWIFT interbank messaging system. So they've been trying to create new forms of communication and they've been especially increasing their integration with Chinese banks, with other um, international banks outside of the West. So what that also means is that at the same time, there's been a massive increase in bilateral trade between China and Russia. They're doing more and more trade with each other. And that means that if you are a Russian, Russian importer, and you want to import goods from a Chinese company, instead of doing that trade in dollars, which historically, many countries, they'll do their trade involving US dollars, at least they'll invoice their trade in dollars, right? So before, if a Russian importer wanted to import Chinese products, they might have done that in, in the US dollar. But now, more and more, Russian importers are doing that in, they're doing that trade in the Chinese yuan itself, getting rid of the middleman of the US dollar. And you can see here that that explains why there's been a massive increase in exchanges between Russian rubles and Chinese yuan on the Moscow exchange. And now on some days, there is more of an exchange of Russian rubles for yuan than there is an exchange of Russian rubles for dollars. That is a historic development. And if you look at the graph, you can see how in January and February of 2022, before the escalation of the proxy war in Ukraine, it's a very negligible amount of ruble yuan trade on the Moscow exchange. On the graph, it's, it's barely visible, very small amount. But now it has been completely reversed. And on some days, it's more than the US dollar. So again, I just wanted to stress how incredible that is. And I'm gonna go through here now and, and, and read some more information from this report in Reuters. Now, the plan is that in 2023, if the export of Russian gas and oil exceeds 8 trillion rubles, then the Russian central bank is going to buy yuan. Okay, so what does that mean for people to understand? Okay, so when Russia exports its oil and gas to another country that wants to import that Russian oil or gas, like say Germany, although Germany is no longer, they now have this boycott, right? So Russia is now demanding payment in rubles and it has created this system for doing that where a country can can basically, they'll, they have um, the Russian gas giant, it's called Gazprom. It's the largest company in Russia. It is state-owned. It's the gas monopoly. And when Gazprom, Gazprom has a bank, which is called Gazprom Bank. It's the Gazprom Bank, right? So the way the system works is that if a country wants to pay for Russian gas or oil in euros, they will deposit those euros in a euro account in Gazprom Bank, or uh, excuse me, a, a euro account in a, in a bank, a European bank or whatever bank, and Gazprom has its euro account in that bank, right? And then what happens is that it will then, ex it will, Gazprom itself, the Gazprom Bank, will exchange those, those euros in the euro account on the Moscow exchange, the currency market, 
the foreign exchange market, it'll exchange those euros for rubles. And then it will deposit the rubles in the ruble account of Gazprom Bank, and then Gazprom will be paid in rubles. Okay, so that was a way for Russia to make foreign countries pay for its oil and gas in rubles because European countries said we refuse to pay in rubles. They wanted to pay in euros or dollars. Well, Europe, European uh, firms wanted to pay in euros, right? Okay, so what that means now is that that every time that Russia is selling its gas and oil in rubles, it strengthens the ruble, right? Because countries need, it increases the demand for the ruble. So as it increases the demand for the ruble, that, that means that the value of the ruble appreciates in comparison with other currencies. So what that means is that there's this contradiction here where the more Russia exports its oil and gas, the, the stronger the Russian ruble becomes, which is good for people inside Russia who are paid in rubles. It means that they can, their, their purchasing power increases and they can buy more expensive products, especially imported projects, products. But there's a contradiction. The stronger the Russian ruble gets, the more difficult it is for Russia to export its oil and gas because if the Russian ruble becomes overvalued, that means it's going to be more expensive for foreign countries to import Russian oil and gas. So Russia doesn't want to to it doesn't want the Russian ruble to be overvalued. So what that means is that the central bank of Russia what it can do is the Russian central bank can go to the foreign exchange market and sell the Russian rubles it has, if it has too many, and buy another currency, which will weaken the Russian ruble against that other currency. Historically, it had done that in the US dollar or the euro in order to get access to more dollars or euros to buy, to pay for imports from the US or or not just the US, from countries that were selling in dollars or from Europe, right? However, now the Russian central bank is saying that if it sells, if the Russian government sells enough oil and gas exceeding 8 trillion rubles, which is its mark, which it seems like it's on the path to sell, assuming it can sell its oil and gas for 62 to $63 per barrel, which is likely, very likely going to happen. So assuming that that happens, Russia doesn't want to have an overvalued ruble. So with the excess rubles that it has from selling its oil and gas, its central bank is going to sell those rubles, not for US dollars or euros, but for Chinese yuan. So this graph that shows the increase in Russian ruble and Chinese yuan exchanges, it's going to increase even more into 2023. This is a massive blow to the hegemony of the US dollar, which, as I said, since the 1970s, the vast majority of oil has been sold in dollars. Now, basically, what we're seeing is the rubalization and the yuanization of, the, of energy. Because if Russia, basically what this means is that if Russia sells more oil and gas than it than a certain minimum, which is like it's likely going to sell, it's going to use the rubles that it gets paid in to buy yuan, which is kind of a way of being paid in. This is basically a way of Russia being paid for its oil and gas in Chinese yuan. So not only is there going to be an increase in demand for the ruble, but also an increase in demand for the yuan, which means that we're seeing a decrease in the petrodollar, a decrease in its hegemony, and an increase in a kind of 
what you could say a petro ruble and even a petro yuan. That is incredible and that is historic. Now, this Reuters article notes citing anonymous sources, but they're, they're sources that are ostensibly in the Russian government. And in this case, this is one of the rare cases where I think we can actually believe that they have a legitimate source. It's not some, you know, anonymous, you know, spy in the CIA. Because these are the things that Russia has been trying to implement for years. This is not new. These policies, are, I want to stress this, these policies are not new, although they are accelerating. So this Russian government source confirmed to Reuters, they said, we have a lot of friendly currencies on the exchange. The Chinese yuan is the most traded currency. It is the friendliest currency so far. So this is an acknowledgement that Russia is de-dollarizing and it's not worried so much about trying to get access to dollars and euros anymore. Instead, it's doing trade for other currencies. You can bet the Chinese yuan is the biggest, but also probably the Indian rupee increasingly and other currencies used by major trading partners who do trade with Russia, which are mostly increasingly in Asia. So the banking source said that the Russian central bank's operations with yuan would be protected from sanctions and freezing. So this explains one of the main reasons why Russia has been accelerating this move to de-dollarize de its economy. Because if, like before, Russia, the, if Gazprom was selling a bunch of gas to Europe, so Europe was paying for that gas in euros, and then the Russian Central Bank had all, they had these massive foreign exchange reserves, this huge stash of US dollars and uh, euros. However, if it holds all those euros or US dollars, most of the time that's not physical currency, it's in a bank account. And that means that West, the, the Western dominated financial system can freeze the Russian central bank's accounts in US dollars and in euros and prevent Russia from accessing $300 billion of its own central bank reserves. That is what the US and Europe did. They essentially stole $300 billion worth of US dollars and euros held in the foreign exchange reserves of the Russian Central Bank. That is a monumental crime. And what that means now is that countries around the world, including Western allies, are now thinking about diversifying the foreign exchange reserves they hold because they know that if they do a policy the US doesn't like or Europe doesn't like, it can impose sanctions on them and it can freeze their central bank reserves. This is not just Russia. This is exactly what the US and Europe did to Venezuela. They froze Venezuela's central bank reserves stealing their central bank reserves. The Bank of England stole more than $1 billion worth of gold that belongs to Venezuela. So we're talking about international piracy, theft. But that's not just Venezuela. The U.S. did the same thing to Iran, freezing Iran's central bank reserves, and to Afghanistan, seizing $9 billion of Afghanistan's central bank reserves, which has created a massive crisis in Afghanistan and the, with massive inflation and a devaluation of the currency because they can't stabilize, they can't stabilize their currency because they don't have access to the dollars they would use to sell 
the the US dollars they have and buy their own currency, which would stabilize their currency. They can't do that because their central bank's reserves were stolen, were frozen by the US. And now the US froze the central bank reserves and is giving that money away to 9-11 victims, which is insane. So what we're talking about is international piracy. And that means that countries around the world are trying to find new ways to diversify their central bank reserves. Russia is really in the lead of, of doing this, but China's doing it, India's doing it, Kazakhstan is doing it. I mean, uh, even Egypt, Saudi Arabia, longtime US allies are, doing, are looking to, to do it. Uh, you know, Myanmar is doing it, Vietnam is doing it. So increasingly, this is going to be a trend that, that accelerates. Now, Reuters notes that at the start of 2022, the Chinese yuan accounted for 17% of Russia's foreign exchange reserves. 17%. But that number has been drastically increasing. And we don't know exactly what it is now, but it's going to be increasing. And Reuters points out that the yuan, which is also known as the renminbi, which is the same thing, the Chinese currency has already enjoyed a dramatic acceleration into Russia's markets and trade flows. And I'll be talking about that in a second. And the Moscow exchange is even going to be expanding the range of yuan instruments it offers. So they're going to start selling bonds on the Moscow exchange in that are denominated in yuan and not in dollars. So there was another article that was published by Reuters in late November, a few days before, which is a very similar article, but it goes into different elements of the Russian economy that doesn't focus as much on the central bank. And this article, it's a bit hyperbolic, but it's titled, The Yuan is the New Dollar as Russia Rides to the Red Back. So this article is also has some, has some incredible facts in here. So. Russia has become the world's fourth largest offshore trading center for Chinese yuan. I'll come back to that in a second. And the Chinese yuan share of the Russian foreign exchange market jumped from 1% at the beginning of 2022 to 45% in 10 months. That is amazing. I'll be talking about what that means in a second for people who are confused. Okay, so the article points out it, it, it begins with some quotes from a Chinese, uh, a Chinese exporter, someone from a Chinese company who exports products. And he says that he sees a win-win situation because now Chinese exporters can reduce their currency risks by exporting their products to, China, to Russia, and Russia will pay for those products in Chinese yuan, not dollars. And it, that means that it also is becoming more convenient for Russian buyers. So he says this is a win-win situation. It helps both Chinese exporters and Russian importers. Now, this article in Reuters notes that the Chinese yuan has been making gradual inroads into Russia for years. So I want to stress that point again. This is not an overnight development. This has been happening for years. But Reuters notes that crawl has turned into a sprint in the past nine months as the Chinese currency has swept into Russia's markets and trade flows. So this is like this is what I've been saying, that it has accelerated with the ex ex with the escalation of the NATO Russia proxy war in Ukraine. Russia's financial shift eastwards could boost cross-border commerce, 
presenting a growing economic counterweight to the dollar and limiting Western efforts to pressure Moscow by economic means. So some important words there from Reuters. They, they acknowledge that Russia is shifting eastwards economically and financially. This is part of the economic integration of Russia with Asia. Now, they, Reuters has this incredible fact here. Yuan ruble trading totaled 185 billion yuan in October 2022, more than 80 times the level seen in February. We're talking about an 80 times increase in the span of from February to October of about nine months. An 80 times increase. That is historic. Now, this is a, a mind-blowing fact that was reflected in that graph that I showed showing the increase in, in uh, yuan ruble trading in the Moscow exchange. This graph shows that at the beginning of 2022, the yuan made up around 1% of the volume of currency trading on the Moscow exchange, 1%. Now it is between 40 and 50%. So again, I want to say this point. I want to stress this fact. The yuan's share of currency trading on the Moscow exchange jumped from 1% at the beginning of 2022 to between 40 and 45% as of October. And, and in the meantime, there has been a halving of the volume of, of ruble US dollar trading. So Reuters points out, by comparison, the dollar-ruble pair, which commanded more than 80% of trading volumes on the Russian market in January, has seen its share drop to about 40%. So on the graph, this shows that at the beginning of the year of 2022, on the Moscow exchange, in terms of the volume of currency trading, the US dollar made up around 80% of the volume of currency trading. Now... The U.S. dollar only represents around 40% of the volume of currency trading in the Moscow exchange, which is lower than the Chinese yuan, which is between 40 and 45%. Absolutely monumental, historic shift. At the same time, Reuters points out that until April of 2022, Russia did not even make up the top 15 list of countries using the yuan outside of mainland China in terms of the value of inbound and outbound flows. It has now jumped up to the fourth largest offshore currency market for, for Chinese yuan. That is to say that offshore trading for the Chinese yuan in Russia is the fourth largest in the world. The third largest is Hong Kong. The second largest is Britain. And the first largest is Singapore. And you can bet that that's going to accelerate the Russia's percentage, Russia's share of the currency market, currency trading for yuan is going to increase in 2023 as the Russian central bank starts doing foreign exchange interventions in the currency markets with yuan instead of dollars. Now, Reuters points out that to put it in global context, the dollar and the euro are still by far the dominant currencies. So I do want to stress that point. There are people who are very hyperbolic. They say the U.S. dollar is going to become toilet paper. It's, there's going to be hyperinflation. It's going to become worthless. 
That's ridiculous. It's a, it's a very gross exaggeration. The US dollar, its hegemony is declining, but we're not seeing the end of US dominance. We're seeing multipolarity. That doesn't mean the, U, the end of US imperialism. Let's be clear about that. It means a, it means a relative decline in US hegemonic power, politically and economically, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna disappear overnight or even in a few years or even in a few decades. We're talking about a process of decline, but not collapse. So still today, the US dollar represents 42% of global trade flows and the, and the euro represents 35%. I think we're gonna see a, a massive decline in the euro share of that. And that's gonna be mostly made up by the dollar. So the US dollar is still a powerhouse. It's still used in a majority or at least a plurality of international trade. It's still held as the, by, in the, the majority of foreign exchange reserves of central banks around the world. The dollar is still very powerful, but the rise of the yuan and other currencies is leading to a more multipolar international financial and economic system. And what I think we're really gonna see is we're gonna see different regional trading blocks with their own kind of financial systems. So Asia is gonna have its own financial system for trade between Russia and China and the Central Asian countries and India. Southeast Asia, countries like uh, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore have been developing new forms of doing trade between them, each other without the US dollar. So, and in Latin America, I've done, I've done reporting on this and talked about how Latin America is trying to create its own currency for international trade to get off the US dollar. So what we're going to see is basically the U.S. dominated Western financial system is no longer going to dominate the entire global financial system like it has since really the 1940s. So we're going to see a decentralization of the global economic and financial systems, a kind of uh, diversity and a multipolarity. So again, for people who say, with these you know, hyperbolic YouTube videos that the US dollar is gonna you know, face hyperinflation and it's gonna be worthless. That's a, that's a very great exaggeration. It's a ridiculous exaggeration. But in certain regions of the world, the US dollar is not going to be used for trade or very little. And, and Asia is becoming one of those regions. And especially Russia, it's dropping the US dollar in very quickly. And that, that means that the U.S. cannot simply suffocate foreign countries and destroy their economies with sanctions like the U.S. did to Iran, or especially like the U.S. did to Venezuela, doing, waging a massive economic war in Venezuela. This will open up possibilities for countries like Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua, countries that are sanctioned to do trade and exchange with other countries without the threat of secondary sanctions, because now the US government threatens countries that do trade with sanctioned countries like Cuba or Venezuela or the DPRK or Iran, the US threatens secondary sanctions. So if a Turkish company wants to do trade with Venezuela or Iran, they might decide not to do that trade because they're afraid of facing secondary sanctions by the US or they're afraid of overcompliance by banks or insurance companies that don't want to do trade, they don't, they don't want to do business with the 
Turkish company because they know the Turkish company might do trade with Iran or Venezuela. So that would lead to overcompliance and they might they might drop the Turkish company as a as a as a client, which discourages Turkish all Turkish companies from doing trade with Venezuela or Iran. Right. So what but if, if they don't have to rely on the SWIFT system, if they don't have to rely on getting access to U.S. dollars, if they can do trade in yuan or rubles or other currencies with other payment systems with other financial systems then they don't have to worry about the imposition of unilateral sanctions by the west so we're seeing that the tools of economic warfare and imperialism that the us and europe have are decreasing in their effectiveness the more and more that the us and europe have imposed sanctions on the world the more and more those sanctions have backfired and become less and less powerful as weapons. Now, Reuters points out that in Russia, there are more and more Russian buyers who are opening yuan accounts in banks and they're settling transactions directly in the Chinese currency. And it's not only Chinese companies that are joining the yuan train, several Russian corporate giants, so not just small companies, but not just importers, but big, massive Russian companies, including major Russian state-owned companies, which represent a huge part of the Russian economy. They have raised a total of 42 billion yuan in bonds on the Russian market. So what that means is that these big Russian companies, including some Russian state-owned companies, they are selling bonds, that is debt, but they're not selling those bonds in dollars. They're selling those bonds in yuan. These are, this is Russian corporate debt that is denominated in, in Chinese yuan. And Russia's massive state-owned bank, Sparebank, the largest bank, the number one lender, and also the oil firm Gazpromneft say that they're considering debt that is issuing bonds also in yuan. So... This, this is a massive shift that we're seeing. Reuters points out that as recently as 2021, the yuan only comprised around 19% of Russia's trade settlements with China, whereas the dollar made up 50%. So what does that mean? As recently as 2021, half of the trade done between China and Russia was done with US dollars, and only one-fifth was done with the Chinese yuan. But that figure is drastically increasing. Reuters points out the Chinese currency is gaining ground. And uh, he, the China, uh, Russia, uh, excuse me, Reuters uh, quotes the deputy director at the International Cooperation Department at the Russian Central Bank, Andrei Mel Melnikov. And he said that demand for yuan liquidity has risen sharply due to reduced access to tr traditional payment methods and the freezing of its overseas gold and foreign exchange reserves. When they say traditional payment methods, they mean the payment systems dominated by the US dollar and the euro. Russia's central bank governor, Elvira Nabolina, is tracking the growth of the Chinese yuan. And she told Russian lawmakers that the influx of Chinese yuan has led to a, quote, transformation of the currency composition of our economy. So that, I mean, like I said, this is, this is a fundamental transformation. This is not a minor issue. This is of world historic significance that is going to have repercussions around the world. 
Some Russian brokerages reported that their clients are keeping an increasingly large part of their assets in Yuan. And increasingly, you can already open a renminbi account in most Russian banks. So this is a monumental shift. And why is it important? Because I, I mentioned not only countries that are sanctioned by the US, like Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, not only are they going to try to diversify their foreign exchange reserves holdings with other currencies and try to get off the US dollar, but increasingly, US allies. Saudi Arabia is an example. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping took a historic trip to the Persian Gulf. And in Saudi Arabia, he gave a speech in which he said that Saudi Arabia and China are discussing China buying its oil in Chinese yuan. So that is to say that we're seeing instead of the petrodollar, the petro yuan. That is another massive blow to the hegemony of the US dollar. Again, that isn't, that, that is, that, I'm not saying that the, the US dollar is going to collapse overnight. That's a ridiculous claim. But it means that countries around the world, if they want to import oil, they no longer need to have access to dollars to import oil, which means that it, it decreases the demand for dollars, and that's going to depreciate the value of the US dollar against other currencies. Instead, they could try to get access to Chinese yuan to buy oil from Saudi Arabia to import oil. So that's going to be a, uh, it's going to appreciate the value of the yuan, increase its power and decrease the power of the US dollar. And it means that countries can they can try to find other ways to get off of the debt that they have, you know, US dollar denominated debt, because now if a country has a balance of payments issues, if a country has to import food or medicine or oil and they don't have enough foreign exchange reserves to pay for those imports, then they usually take out a loan from the IMF and those loans are denominated in dollars. What we now might see is instead loans in yuan. So what we see is an increasingly multipolar international economic and financial system, which decreases the hegemony of the US dollar and US imperialism. And it's not going to disappear overnight or even in, in a few years or decades, but it's a significant shift. And if you look at this study, this is from the U.S. Federal Reserve. It shows the from 2000 until 2022, excuse me, 2020, it shows the composition of foreign exchange reserves of central banks around the world. And the U.S. dollar slightly declined from around 70 percent to around 60% of the foreign exchange reserves of all the central banks in the world. And the euro represents another significant part of that, and that's mostly in Europe, right? But increasingly, you can see on the graph a slight increase in the Chinese renminbi, the Chinese yuan, in, in the composition of, that is to say, central banks around the world increasingly more and more are holding Chinese yuan in their central bank reserves. And you can bet that's going to accelerate more and more. There's another graph here that shows the from the central bank, uh, excuse me, the Federal Reserve that shows the percent of export invoicing in different currencies and excluding Europe, all other regions of the world still when they do international trade between countries, it's still the US dollar is involved in the vast majority. And in, in the Americas, it's 96 percent. In Asia, it's a little under 80%, and in the rest of the world, it's around 80%. But what we're going to see is especially, so 
in in the Asia Pacific region, we're going to see the the proportion represented by other in this graph, other currencies used in bilateral trade between countries in the Asian region is going to increase more and more, and the U.S. dollar is going to decrease. So these are world historic shifts that we're seeing, and I've reported on this this for for years now. And I've done many interviews with the economist Michael Hudson, who's been tracking this for decades. I mean, he's really the world's one of the world's leading experts on this. I have a separate report at multipolarista.com, which I will link to in the description below. It's titled IMF admits US dollar hegemony declining due to rise of Chinese yuan sanctions on Russia. And this was a report from the US dominated International Monetary Fund, the IMF, that acknowledged many of these same facts that I've been discussing today, the decline of the overall percentage of, of foreign re exchange reserves held by central banks, uh, uh, the decline of the US dollar in, in, in those foreign exchange reserves, and the increase in what they call non-traditional currencies, which include the Chinese yuan. So as the IMF stressed in that report, as Reuters has stressed, we're not going to see a collapse in the US dollar overnight but we are seeing a, an increasing trend toward other currencies as well. I have another report over at multipolarista.com focusing on this for people who want more information about the growing economic integration of Russia and China. That is titled, China reaffirms rock solid friendship with Russia, deepens economic integration amid Western sanctions. It points out that Russian banks are moving toward a Chinese payment system. And the Eurasian economies are also integrating closer together. And then finally, I have an article that's related. And I did a separate video and podcast about this. And it's titled, Iran and Russia Pledge to Cut U.S. Dollar from Global Trade, Strengthen China Alliance. And this, go, this looks at statements that were made by the Iranian government after Russian President Vladimir Putin visited. And he met with the Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi and the... Um, Supreme Leader um, Khamenei, and and then Khamenei, the Ayatollah, Supreme Leader of Iran, he published this statement saying the dollar must be removed from global transactions. So this is basically Russia and Iran integrating economically and saying that they're going to challenge the hegemony of the U.S. dollar. These are all world historic shifts. In the description below, I will link to those reports, which include print articles, but also other videos and podcasts. If you want to get more information, more analysis and more reporting on the growing, the growth of the multipolar world, not only politically, but also economically and the decline of U.S. economic hegemony and financial hegemony and the decline of the dictatorship of the U.S. dollar. So with that, I am going to conclude here. I'm Ben Norton. I appreciate any support that you could provide uh, at Patreon. Link is in the description below, and I will see you all next time. Thanks a lot.